So if you're uh, listening to this, Thanksgiving has just passed and, you know, hopefully you listened to our Thanksgiving pod. Hopefully you won all of the money. But Ben, you're not a big Thanksgiving guy. I'm assuming that you're just not going to enjoy a nice turkey dinner with some stuffing, mac and cheese, maybe some other sides that your family makes or whatever. And by all accounts, you hate turkey like you hate Thanksgiving like Come on, what is wrong with you? You're you're painting a wild picture. I mean, so on one hand, I totally agree with the sentiment because, I mean, I, I just think it's an overrated food selection in my personal opinion. Okay, I don't like stuffing, period. Cranberry sauce is absolutely disgusting texturally and taste-wise. So, like, yeah, mashed potatoes, mac and cheese, those are obviously goaded sides. Happy to have those anytime. And then turkey is just at the bottom of the tier list of meats. Like, I would rather have almost any other kind of meat opposed to turkey, chicken, ham, roast beef, etc. So it's just like a bunch of food that you only eat out of tradition, not out of it being like an elite food. And that's kind of my thing. But, you know, in terms of like ranking the holidays, Thanksgiving still extremely high, you know, just off of a degenerate gambling sense, right? We have three primetime football games. It's a great DFS slate, you know, annually. So Thanksgiving's very high on the list, in my opinion, just not from a food perspective. All right, so if you had to list your top three or top five holidays in order, how would you rank it off the top of your head? Top of my head, all right, I would go... Christmas 101, that's obvious. Yep, easily. Don't have to get too crazy there. Love giving gifts, love making people happy. I would probably put Thanksgiving as a surprise number two just because I really enjoy the football slate. I love playing it every single year, and none of these other holidays come equipped with the opportunity uh, to degen fire off a bunch of lineups in DFS. So Thanksgiving Mm. 2, 3, no surprise to any long-term listeners, Valentine's Day. I mean... The opportunity to prop up your queen and and shower her with gifts and love. I mean, come on. That's a stone cold lock at number three. Fourth of July, probably four. It's sort of like that only summertime holiday cookouts, beach, fireworks. That's always good vibes. And then Halloween at number five. Halloween, I, I think, is just... I don't know. In in my experience, it's been more so about, you know, catering to my partner's needs, which is fine. And, and, you know, dressing up how they want to dress up and doing the things they want to do, which is fine. And I enjoy doing it. I like dressing up. I mean, I dressed up as a giant moth dude this Halloween. That was fun. But yeah, I I think that's my top five. Christmas, Thanksgiving, Valentine's, Fourth of July and Halloween rounding out the list. Easter is dog shit. Yeah, respectable list there. I think I would probably have the same top five. I mean, Christmas, easily the one-on-one. If Christmas is not, you know, your favorite holiday, there's just something wrong with you, period. Well, what what if you what if you don't celebrate Christmas? I just, I just want to make sure you don't go down like a Kyrie Irving tirade right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously, if you don't celebrate Christmas, then that's whatever. But if you do, and it's not your one-on-one, like, what are we doing here? Number two, for me, it'd probably be 4th of July. Just love the summer, fireworks, grilling out, burgers, hot dogs, the whole nine, spending time with the fam. Maybe you're all on the lake, on the boat. Good times all around, good vibes. Three would probably be Thanksgiving, just for the same reason, because of football. Four for me would definitely be Easter. Think I, I like Easter, you know, it's a good time. Get to spend more time with your family, get some candy, eat some chocolate all day, you, you watch some basketball. Going egg hunting and shit like that? Nah, nah. Watch some basketball. That's always fun. 
uh, on Easter, have a nice Easter dinner. So Easter for me would be four. And for fifth, I really don't have a fifth favorite holiday. I think Valentine's Day is one of the worst holidays, period. I think Halloween is so overrated. It's not even funny. I guess Memorial Day is cool. You know, you get a day off of work or school, whichever one you're in, you know, grill out. It's the beginning of summer, weather's starting to turn nice, Same, kind of the same vibe of 4th of July, you know, maybe go out on the lake, spend the day there, hang out, grill out, it's ultimately just good vibes, and that's what I'm about, and personally, I'm, I'm just like a, I'm a summer kind of guy, like, I like nice weather, and I like to be out, so kind of corresponds with certain holidays that I personally prefer. <laughs> Everybody, welcome to episode 268 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to be talking about the week 12 main slate on DraftKings, getting into some slate specifics, getting into the cash game, lineup construction, tournament strategy, leverage stacks, and long shots, everything you need to know to win in week 12. 12. Joey, how you doing coming off of a Thanksgiving slate? Doing well, doing well. Uh, ready to talk about, you know, another kind of ugly uh, DraftKings main slate, but there's tournaments to be won, money to be won, and the people need the, li- uh, the <laughs> fuck, and the people need the winners. They certainly do, and we are here to deliver them from a Vegas perspective. We have an 11-game main slate, seven games early, four games in the afternoon. Shout out to the NFL for the even distribution from a totals perspective. The slate is atrocious, Joey, by far the weakest main slate we've had this season. The highest totaled game of the week checks in at 47 and a half chargers at Arizona. Top five implied team totals this week, Miami at 30, KC 29.25, San Francisco 26.25, LA Chargers 26, Seattle Seahawks 25.25. What's standing out to you this week from a Vegas perspective? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few games that look good on paper. Um, and there's definitely teams in smash spots. You know, the Chiefs, the Cardinals, and Chargers game looks very, very enticing. Seahawks and Raiders looks good. The Dolphins side of the ball looks extremely good this week. So there there are some good games to target, some good teams to stack in. The, this slate isn't as tight as it has been over the last few weeks. The games aren't great, but I, I don't mind this slate you know, comparing it to the last two or three slates that we've had to discuss. Totally agree with that. I mean, especially from like an overarching DraftKings perspective, there's a ton of value on this slate, which as we've talked about on the last couple of episodes, DraftKings has been just absolutely railing us with these tightly priced slates. So, I mean, at least we get a little bit of flexibility this week, which I always like. It just opens up the creativity and the way that you're able to build lineups sticking, you know, from a Vegas perspective real quick. I I do think it's interesting. You know, we have a lot of blowout potential. All three of the top teams from an implied team total perspective are massive favorites. Dolphins with the 30-point implied team total, 13.5-point favorites. KC, 29.25. They're 14.5-point favorites. And San Francisco are 9.5-point favorites over the Saints. So a lot of blowout potential here. And I think we'll have to navigate, you know, how we think game script plays into some of the more popular options on this slate and whether or not we're playing into blowout risk. Specifically, I think, with that KC game is, is really interesting from that perspective. 
perspective. And we can get into that right off rip as we dive into cash game lineup construction at the quarterback position. Joey Mahomes right now is literally a walking 30 ball. This dude has five straight 300 yard passing games, four straight games of 30 or more DraftKings points, 8,200. And I really do think that in the context of this slate, he's probably the best play on the board. Josh Allen, not on the slate. Lamar Jackson, midway through a brutal cold streak. Justin Fields dealing with the shoulder injury. I don't know, man. This is setting up like a Mahomes smash spot for me against a dead in the water Rams team that is clearly giving up on the season. The Rams season is definitely chalked for sure. So this game isn't as enticing as we thought it could have been, you know, prior to the season, which obviously is unfortunate. But Mahomes nonetheless is still very likely in this spot to be a threat to get the 300 yard passing bonus, multiple touchdowns. And then I think you hit it right on the head when you're comparing Mahomes to the rest of the quarterbacks on the slate with Lamar Jackson. Uh, just his floor and ceiling has just been considerably lower after the first three weeks of the season. Justin Fields is hurt. Kyler Murray's hurt. We'll have to see if he's ready to go for this week. Mahomes definitely stands out as the best play. And, you know, you mentioned there's a ton of value. That means you can easily fit Mahomes on this slate. So I don't really see a reason to not play him. If you aren't playing Mahomes and you want to go to a cheaper quarterback, which probably isn't optimal, but I do think Geno Smith at 6k looks pretty good I think he's going to project relatively okay the Seahawks have a 25 and a half point team total they're in the highest total game on the slate against the Raiders at home so I definitely don't mind Geno but you know comparing him to Mahomes I think Mahomes is definitely a better cash game play but Geno Smith should be a little chalky I think as well yeah those are probably the two routes that you would consider going in cash I really like the mid-tier, right? Joe Burrow, 6,700, could get Jamar Chase back. That's some news that we'll have to wait until later in the week to find out. Tua Tagovailoa, 6,900 with the highest implied team total on the slate against the Texans. Texans who have actually done a really good job at limiting quarterback production this season. Part of that being because they're such a prolific run funnel, as we'll get to when we talk about Miami running backs. And then Justin Herbert, who looked really good in that Sunday night football game, looks like he's fully back from the rib issues that were limiting him early on, has some of his weapons back. Keenan should be fully healthy in this game. Mike Will status, something to monitor as well. But I think if you're looking at paying up to that range, you know, Burrow 6,700 through Herbert at 7K, you might as well just pay up for Patrick Mahomes because the floor is so much higher. And while the ceilings are good, and I definitely think that range is probably the optimal range for tournaments, I kind of think that you just find the cash to get up to Mahomes this week because of all the value that we have at running back and wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, totally agree from a cash game perspective. From a tournament perspective, I think that, you know, they're definitely good pivots off of Mahomes. And, you know, you mentioned it, but the blowout risk could definitely sway you one way or the other in tournaments. And you could talk yourself into, you know, playing Joe Burrow or Tua or Herbert if you really do think that the Chiefs blow the Rams out but obviously if they're blowing the Rams out Mahomes is probably a huge part of that so he's a tough fade on this slate either way in tournaments or in cash but that's kind of the way that you get off of Mahomes is if you talk yourself into him you know not playing a full game or whatever and you know you go down to Geno Smith uh, I think Smith would be the only pivot in cash because you are saving, you know, a considerable amount of salary, 2200 total. The other guys I want to play over Mahomes, like 
Herbert or Tua or Kyler or whomever in cash, but Mahomes definitely the standout play of the slate for sure. At the running back position, there is an overwhelming amount of value. It seems like in recent weeks, we've struggled to find anybody below 6K that we had any interest in playing, but there's some decent plays, some better than decent plays in my opinion, especially Jeff Wilson Jr. this week, 5,900 Dolphins with the team total over 30 as massive favorites against the literal worst run defense in the league. Seems like a complete smash spot. Jeff Wilson Jr. came in a week off the trade and had a pretty sizable roll off jump. And then, you know, in their most recent game, week 10 against Cleveland, you know, played 61% of the snaps, had 17 rush attempts for over 100 yards, also had five targets, like a legitimate workhorse role. And the spot here is so good. I just, I think that Jeff Wilson is is a borderline lock this week in cash. Yeah, I mean, Jeff Wilson matchup is great. Potential game script is great. He's working as the lead back um, for this explosive Dolphins team. So 5,900 Jeff Wilson, definitely love him. Obviously, kind of sucks that Raheem Mostert is a factor and will take touches. And, you know, this backfield could easily switch. I don't know if this role that Jeff Wilson has is sticky. And that's kind of the downside of playing Jeff Wilson this week. But if we're basing it off of the last two weeks, Jeff Wilson is definitely a a very good play. But I would be cautious that we truly don't know if he is the lead back in this offense, you know, off of, you know, a one week sample size. So that's all that that's the only thing that I would caution people to to watch out for and we'll have to see what projections say about Jeff Wilson but I would assume that Jeff Wilson is going to be chalked this week yeah and I think that that fragility makes him a pretty good tournament fade or at least you know gives you outs to trying to make a pivot to Raheem Mostert for 200 less in tournaments but I just do think in cash the team has shown a pretty clear indication that they want to run with Jeff Wilson Jr. as their lead back and I think that you know a bye week to get things even more situated in that regard only strengthens the case for Wilson I, I definitely don't see myself getting away from him in cash but he's not the only play sub 6k that I think is viable. Samaj P. Ryan is 5,600. That will entirely be dependent on the status of Joe Mixon currently in the concussion protocol. Seems like something that we won't have you know, really good solid information on until late in the week. We'll talk about that more on the Saturday night, late night live stream. Obviously, Samaj P. Ryan coming off of a three receiving touchdown performance, put up 30 points on DraftKings, has a really good role if Mixon misses. And then also Joey Down in the even cheaper range, in a range that we really haven't been in this year in cash games at 5k Latavius Murray gets a road spot against a weak Carolina Panthers run defense post Melvin Gordon cut coming off of 21 opportunities I think Latavius Murray's workload is really strong for the price albeit you know the thought of playing Latavius Murray in the year 2022 makes me want to throw up in my mouth and Rashad White a little bit more exciting 5100 against the Browns now that's something that might make it move a little bit yeah I mean so just talking about the guys that you mentioned Samaj P. Ryan if Joe Mixon is out. I don't know if he'd be too chalky, maybe, potentially, but I wouldn't play him. Samaj P. Ryan sucks at football, and we'll talk about it at wide receiver, but Jamar Chase is expected to play against the Titans. So Joe Mixon is out. I think I would just be more interested in Joe Burrow stacks. Rashad White, 51. Latavius, 5K. I'll say it right now. Latavius is 
going to project better and he is going to be more owned or projected for higher ownership I should say than Rashad White and I think a lot of people are going to go there in cash obviously the spot sets up really well for Latavius with no other running backs to take his workload besides Marla Mack and they have Divine Zigbo on the practice squad so he'll probably get called up for this game and Carolina over their last three games has given up 164.7 rushing yards on the ground but my god I do not want to play Latavius Murray, even at 5K. I think Marlon Mack is definitely a threat to, you know, vulture some touches from Latavius. And he's just old. He sucks. I think the ceiling is just so, so low. I think the ceiling is way higher on Rashad White, you know, in just as good of a matchup going up against the Cleveland Browns, pass catching upside. But like I said, Latavius is going to project better than White. So I don't know if you could go there and cash. Personally, I do not want to play Latavius Murray in the year uh, 2022. No, it's it's definitely disgusting. But I think if he was, you know, named something other than Latavius Murray and we didn't have priors on him and we were just looking at a back who was probably going to get 20 touches against the Panthers, including receiving work. He has seven targets over his last two games, three touchdowns over his last last three games played. I think that it's definitely viable for cash games. I would 100% be willing to make that pivot on Rashad White, whose ceiling is absolutely higher. It's just that, you know, Fournette is obviously a bigger threat to steal work, I think, from Rashad White than like Marlon Mack or Zigbo is to steal work from Latavius Murray. You know, that's something that we can sort of sort out more again on the Saturday shows. We have clearer understandings of the ownerships of these two players, but I certainly do think that this is a range that you're going to want to be in in cash games because it lets you fit so much in other players at the running back position that stand out to me above 6k I think James Connor is in a really good spot since cutting Eno Benjamin and since returning from injury James Connor's workload has been phenomenal week 10 he had 24 opportunities including three targets last week against San Francisco on Monday night football had 14 attempts a rushing touchdown five targets so I mean Connor is a workhorse in the highest totaled game on the slate how do you feel about James Connor this week I think James Connor is a very good play I think he's going to project really well he should be pretty chalky I think he'll probably be the highest owned running back in the 6k range for sure some other players that stand out to me personally I mean Kenneth Walker at 6900 looks really enticing but obviously a little pricey Damian Pierce 6100 looks okay against Miami but you have the blowout risk you know as what 14 point dogs there but James Conner definitely is going to be chalk I would expect a lot of builds to have like James Conner, Jeff Wilson, or Jeff Wilson, Latavius Murray, uh, maybe all three, a combo of those three players, and maybe mix in like Rashad White, Damian Pierce, Samaj P. Ryan if he opens up. I, I think that's really the cash game core at the running back position this week. Yeah, I just want to talk about Kenneth Walker for a second here. I mean, it, it's time for me to release my biases on him. Like, he came out, you know, pretty strong since taking over the workload from Penny. I was skeptical of him following week seven, which is really when he started to be in cash game consideration every single week. Like he had a monster game, but it included a 74 yard rushing touchdown that I thought was pretty fluky. Faded him the next week against the Giants, despite him being chalk in week eight. Kind of worked out. He had 12 points and then continued to fade him, thinking that I was vindicated and I was correct. And he was just this big play threat that was going to be, you know, kind of fluky, didn't have a pass game role. Then he jams it down my throat with another 30 spot, 26 attempts and four targets. And although the week 10 game, we didn't talk about it much because it wasn't on the main slate. It was that Germany game, right? 
but he had eight targets in that game along with the 10 rushing. So with the elevated pass game work at home coming off a bye against the Raiders, I just think that Kenneth Walker is such a good play this week. I almost think that I like him more than James Conner. I just think that he is significantly better and has more juice at this point in their respective careers. But Conner's obviously going to project well from game environment and pass catching upside as well. I think you could play two of these guys and Jeff Wilson Jr. in cash if you don't want to get down to that Rashad White Latavius tier. But I think ultimately you're probably playing Jeff Wilson Jr. and then you're choosing between some combination of Connor, Walker, and then one of the cheap guys in what I believe to be pretty clearly a three running back week in cash. Yep, totally agree with everything that you said. At the wide receiver position, I got to be honest, man, at this point in the week, it's pretty tough to see where we're going to be going. I think that we have some injuries that will drastically shift the context of the slate. You said that Jamar Chase was on pace to play, and it does seem like that'll be the case. So Jamar Chase is interesting for sure this week. Mike Williams re-aggravated his injury in the Sunday night football game, which could prop Keenan Allen up. Regardless of Mike Will's status, I think Keenan Allen stands out this week at 6,100. You're just getting the reduced price tag because he hasn't been priced up because he has been injured for the vast majority of this year. Love Keenan Allen this week at 6,100. Terry McLaurin as well in the mid-range. 5,800 in a nut matchup against the Atlanta Falcons, continuing to have the dominant target share since Taylor Heineke took over. Do you have any preference between these mid-range guys? Keenan Allen, Terry McLaurin, could throw the Seahawks wide receivers in there as well if you'd like. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that I'm never playing Terry McLaurin in cash, so he's out of the question for me. Keenan Allen looks okay at 6,100. Didn't play, you know, every single snap, but he was out there quite a bit. Didn't suffer a re-aggravation had eight targets in that game against Kansas City I think he's too cheap and we'll have to see Mike Williams status if Mike Williams is out Keenan Allen is most likely a lock I think Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are definitely very good plays Lockett could definitely project to be one of the highest owned wide receivers on this slate for sure at 6.2. I think the Chiefs injury situation is something that we're going to have to monitor. Juju Smith-Schuster is questionable. Kadarius Toney is also questionable. McCole Hardman obviously on IR. So let's say Juju and Kadarius Toney are out. I think that puts, you know, MVS in play at 4K. I think that puts Justin Watson in play at like the minimum. He had four targets last week, ran the most routes out of any. Chiefs wide receiver though, put up nine points, uh, definitely would be in consideration. So this is just going to be a week where a lot of injury news is going to dictate where we go at the wide receiver position. Hollywood Brown could be back. He's only 5,300 in that game environment. God Um, damn. There's three. The, then you have the Cardinals situation. Rondell Moore got hurt on the first play of the game. Greg Dorch comes in, has a monster game. He's 3,100. So if Dorch plays and Rondell Moore's out once again, you're probably locking in Greg Dorch, you know, for damn near the minimum. And then Traylon Burks at, at 4,200 is a standout play too. So honestly, you could get away with just playing cheaper wide receivers this week, but you'll probably want to have one of these, you know, 6K plus guys. If I had to choose, I think Keenan Allen is probably the best, but I I do like Lockett, Metcalf, and even Christian Kirk as well. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because I mean, I agree with everything you said. It's just so up in the air right now. We definitely will have to 
retouch on this on Saturday, but what are we paying up for this week other than Patrick Mahomes and Cash? Like we have all this value at running back. We have really strong value at wide receiver this week. Are we just rocking a completely balanced build or are we going to, you know, maybe play two of these punt wide receivers and a cheap running back so we can get up to the likes of, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, 7,700, Devontae Adams, who's put up three straight 30 plus point games, Tyreek Hill, who's been on an absolute tear this season on pace to set all kinds of records. Do you think that prioritizing paying up at the wide receiver position, at least in one of your spots, makes sense this week? Or do we just kind of cap it in in the mid-range and go full balanced? Yeah, I mean, the balance build definitely looks optimal this week, but Tyreek Hill, D-Hop even... Devontae Adams I think they're all pretty good plays if Chase is out T Higgins once again at at 6.9 looks pretty enticing as well so I mean you could definitely pay up to one of these high priced wide receivers and who knows by the end of the week that probably becomes optimal right you want these high ceiling players in your lineup and if you play like three cheap wide receivers your ceiling is just so low and I don't know if that's good personally I don't think it is so you'll probably end up playing one of these more expensive ish guys and taking the value elsewhere but you know my favorite would definitely be Tyreek Hill 8.8 to just get up to Tyreek but like I said D Hop looks good and uh, Higgins if no chase would look pretty good as well. Yeah. And again, you know, Hopkins, the strength of him, I think can also be attributed like if there's no Rondale Moore and no Greg Dorch, like he's going to get 15 plus targets. So, I mean, we'll ha- we'll just have to see how the injuries shape out on this slate, kind of the difficulty of recording early in the week. But luckily for the people, we produce an elite stream every single Saturday night with all of this information up to date. So make sure you guys check in on that at the tight end position, Joey, actually surprisingly strong. I feel like every position this week is surprisingly strong. There are like six guys that I like and would be fine with playing below 3,600. David Njoku, Foster Moreau, Juwan Johnson, Hayden Hurst, McBride, potentially if Kyler Murray is back and depending on who's playing for the Cardinals at wide receiver, you know, LT3 this week cheap at 3K. There are just so many options at tight end and I don't know that there's too much that separates them. Maybe you have a lean, but in general, just a bunch of plays in the cheap end that I would be fine running in cash. Yeah, I mean, I think my lean would probably be playing Moreau or Najoku, you know, just for game environment for Moreau targets are still pretty condensed in that offense uh, with no Darren Waller, no Hunter Renfro, 3.4K against the Seahawks, a team that has given up a ton of points to opposing tight ends. I think he would be my favorite. Najoku looks pretty solid. Dolchich at 3.7. His role is one of the best out of every tight end in the NFL. Juwan Johnson has been like the tight end two over the last month of the season. Overall, right behind Travis Kelsey, I think he's a good play. Hayden Hurst, 3.3, is solid. Trey McBride, 3.1, had a solid role, ran a ton of routes, four targets. Obviously, I think that's more dependent on Kyler being back. So I just think like Moreau's the best, but you're probably playing whatever one fits the build. And if you need to save a couple hundred, you could definitely get off Moreau to one of these cheaper tight ends. But I don't really have like any strong conviction on any of these guys like you said they're they're pretty much all the same play legitimately totally agree and and not only that but they're all in relatively good spots as well you know all inside of the top eight and matchups, you know, the Falcons, so Logan Thomas in a good spot, the Bucks, so Njoku's in a good spot, Seahawks are giving up, giving up the second most points to tight end this season, so Moreau in a good spot. There are just pretty much any direction that you want to go in here, you can talk yourself into, so to me, I'm just going to be using tight end to fill in whatever I need in terms of salary. I'd be willing to go 
all the way down to Logan Thomas, but if I have the salary because of the value at the other positions, maybe finding the way up to Njoku or Moreau, totally feasible as well. I just wouldn't get hung up on the four to $600 discount. If you need it, I would be fine with taking it. Any validity in tournaments this week to paying up to Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews, Andrews 65, Kelsey 77. We certainly have the salary to do it on a week like this. Travis Kelsey just coming off of yet another monster game. He has been so, so good this season. And Mark Andrews, you could talk yourself into a bounce back and you're getting 1200 off of Kelsey to go to him. I don't think it's bad this week to try and pay up in tournaments to one of these two guys and get a potential separator when we do have good value with the other positions and, and guys that I think have legitimate ceilings, you know, like Traylon Burks at 4,200. He's not just a stone cold punt like he has a ceiling. Same with Rashad White at running back. So I kind of like, you know, the idea of playing with some of these high priced pay up tight ends in tournaments. Yeah. I mean, Travis Kelsey is like scoring. <laughs> He's scoring more than what? Seven points next to the closest tight end. Probably yep. a bad uh, best ball fade. This year. You don't say every year, <laughs> every year we think we're finally going to be right on fading Travis Kelsey. Hey, Maybe hey, it'll hey. be next last year. year. We were last year. We definitely were true, true, true. This year, not so much. Probably a bad fade this year because of them losing Tyreek Hill. Uh, but we could talk about that after the season one. You know, we talk about how much uh, we how, how much we got wrong in best ball. But 7.7, you know, Mahomes is going to be the highest on quarterback on the slate. Travis Kelsey is probably going to be a little under own. You could definitely make that stack work. Always a great play. Mark Andrews, finally fully healthy, 6.5K, eight targets last week. We all know he has kind of the same upside as Travis Kelsey, you know, multiple touchdown upside every single week. So I think Mark Andrews would be the tournament play for me, just more affordable. And Lamar's also going to be a little under owned and the spot is really good, you know, going up against Jacksonville. So Lamar, Mark Andrews stack in tournaments would be, you know, my favorite contrarian stack to run for sure. Yeah. And and we can just jump right into tournaments, leverage stacks and long shots. I'll, I love what you just said there, Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews with Christian Kirk is the bring back. I think Kirk will have some ownership, but I think a lot of the other mid-range guys get more attention. So that stack just sounds so, so good to me this week. I mean, will it hit? Probably not, but there's an opportunity. In terms of other stacks, what are you looking at this week on DraftKings? Obviously, I think that Lamar and Mark Andrews is very good. I kind of like this Bengals stack this week, especially if Jamar Chase is back, because we might get Joe Mixon out but Jamar Chase returning. And in that scenario, I think the offense is just going to flow through the passing game and through the wide receivers. And personally, I think T. Higgins is a little underpriced, has his best game of the season, or one of his best games of the season. Last week, gets a price decrease yeah, by 200. Jamar Chase, 7.6K. Obviously, pretty fair price, but he's been you know an 8K plus player, so I think you're getting a little bit of a discount there. And this Joe Burrow double, the ceiling on it is just so high and I, I want exposure to it every week so I definitely love that but obviously when I'm on the Bengals stuff they never hit ever so uh just uh warning everybody out there and then the Cardinals Chargers game I mean from from a process standpoint it looks good but knowing these two teams this game will probably be like 24 to 17. Yeah, I mean, these are two teams that love to perpetually disappoint, but on the surface, yeah. it looks so good. All the prices are good, right? Like, you get Herbert and Kyler both 7K or below. You get Keenan Allen at 6-1. You got Marquise at 5-3. Potentially got some low-priced Cardinals, depending on the Rondale situation. Easy to get off James Conner chalk in that spot and just play the wide receivers, play Hopkins. That stack looks really good. Love the Bengals stuff, like you said. I mean, especially if Mixon is out, like, I I'll definitely 
have a lot of exposure to Joe Burrow doubles with Traylon Burks as the bring back. That's super affordable and lets you still play into a lot of other good plays as well. I like the idea of going Dolphins double. Obviously, that's a stack that can go nuclear any given week. Jeff Wilson will be very chalky. So I think that, you know, doubling with Tyreek Hill, Hill Hill will probably have ownership, but I don't think Waddle gets owned at 7,300 with some of the other plays. So I I mean, doubling that sounds really good to me. So I think that those would be my main focuses, sort of looking at different Chargers stuff that gets contrarian, Dolphins doubles, Bengals doubles. And I like the idea of playing Casey, especially if some of those guys that you mentioned are out. I wouldn't be opposed to just running Casey stacks that look like Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey with no bring back. Like, I think that this could be like that game a few years back where Casey piled up like 500 yards and five touchdowns on the Jets with zero pushback from any of the Jets players. They could absolutely do this to the Rams this week. And I don't think that it gets overly played because people will be scared off of the blow up risk, but that seems like a good stack to target as well. Yeah. I mean, for sure, for sure. Uh, there, there are there are a lot of stacks that I do like this week, actually. Chiefs, Ravens, Bengals. I mean, Seahawks stack looks pretty solid to me as well. Are you interested in any, like, cheap quarterback stack? You know, you mentioned Taylor Heineke for Ter- Terry McLaurin. Just got confirmation that Kyle Allen is starting. Maybe a Kyle Allen, Brandon Cook stack. You know, if you're expecting the Dolphins to, to go nuke, maybe they have to get pushed a little bit. <laughs> any Bro, interest there? Absolutely not. I mean, I like that Kyle Allen's starting because Davis Mills has been horrible, like absolute dog shit. So I think it's okay for Brandon Cooks. I think it makes him a better play at 5,200. That's got to be his, yeah, that's his lowest price of the year. So that makes Cooks a little bit interesting for me in terms of a bring back, but no, I just think that there's so much ceiling and it's relatively affordable, you know, 7K and below. So I don't really necessarily need to see the need to go too crazy and try and get to any of those bums, frankly, uh, at the low end. In terms of leverage, though, you know, one clear path that sticks out to me, I mean, it's kind of ugly, but paying up for running back could definitely pay off this week just because of all the value at the position. I think that, you know, Derrick Henry goes under-owned. If you're playing into Bengals stuff, Henry makes a lot of sense as a contrarian bring back Christian McCaffrey with his role can obviously go nuclear at any point in any matchup 8800 Austin Eckler 8500 don't know how played he will be this week Josh Jacobs is priced extremely high 7700 don't think people go there so just from sort of a a lineup construction standpoint I think you can get leverage on the field just by flipping the build a little bit and getting up to the higher price running backs who I don't really foresee getting played at all this week yeah, uh, all of these guys should come in a little bit under own, but Josh Jacobs, Henry, Eckler, CMC, all very, very good plays once again this week. Totally agree with that. Do you have a long shot for the people? Who do you need early in the week to win you a tournament, Millie Maker? You know, we've had some good calls over the last few weeks. we got to keep it up. I need, I need it. All right. You know who I think is going to be a good long shot this week? With Kenneth Walker as Stone Cold Chalk and Tyler Lockett being $300 cheaper. DK Metcalf at $6,500 in the mid-range. I don't think he gets played too much. If you want to talk about uh, a cheaper quarterback double stack, Geno Smith will probably be chalky, and I think Lockett could have some ownership, but I don't think anybody's rolling out doubles of this game, and I think the DK Metcalf will be the lowest owned of all of the relevant Seahawks players he feels due. He has a massive ceiling, although we haven't seen it too much this season. Only one game over 20 plus points on DraftKings, 24.9 in week four against Detroit. The Raiders secondary is atrocious. 
You have a clear bring back in Devontae Adams, who's been on a monster run the past three games, 30 plus in each spot. I like the idea of a little mini correlation, even without Geno, if you want to stack another game up with Metcalf, Devontae Adams. I think Metcalf is due. I think he comes in under 10% on this week. So give me DK Metcalf as a conviction tournament play for me this week in the mid-range at wide receiver. Love that call. Love that call for sure. Mine would be honestly, I, I want to go back to T. Higgins. Damn, you I think this love T. Higgins this year. I think this is another eruption spot for T. Higgins. To be honest, I think last game against the Steelers, nine for one forty-eight, no touchdown, only has three touchdowns on the entire season so far. I think he gets in the box this week. They're gonna go into Tennessee. They're going to go super pass heavy. Jamar Chase is gonna be back. Bengals double for all of the fucking coin this week. T. Higgins. 6.9k would be my favorite obviously we don't have ownership so I don't know if it is a super long shot if he's going to be a little chalky which he might I'll give another one I said it earlier in the pod Justin Watson 3k Mm. for the Kansas City Chiefs somebody is going to need to catch Patrick Mahomes balls outside of Travis Kelsey if Mahomes is hitting his ceiling and he's the perfect uh, stacking partner with Mahomes. Bring down the ownership, bring down the salary, maybe double stack him with Travis Kelsey, Justin Watson, 3K, uh, book it. Barring injury, of course, with Tony and, and Juju. If they're in, then scratch that. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely good. I like that one as well. Good pivot off of, you know, potentially Greg Dorch and Traylon Burks is you know, popular value options. I also like Garrett Wilson at 4,300. We didn't talk about Zach Wilson getting benched, but I I would say, you know, any quarterback not named Zach Wilson could be counted as a quarterback upgrade for the Jets. And Garrett (laughs) Wilson would be a good pivot off of Traylon Burks for $100 more in a very beatable matchup for him facing the Chicago Bears. It's gross, probably more optimal to just not play anybody from that game this week. But, you know, theory wise and price point wise, I think it makes a little bit of sense. Also, last little little range that I want to shout out. I think that there's two players in the top of the 6K range in Mike Evans and Debo Samuel who will virtually go unplayed and both have 30 plus point ceilings. So, you know, probably not stacking either of those games, but as just super contrarian one-offs with really high ceilings, I think both of those make a lot of sense as well. Yep, totally agree. I don't have any more, do you? I don't, man. I just want to shout out DraftKings because we've been critical. The whole you know industry has been critical of DraftKings and the way they price things. But this slate actually, and the more we talk about it, I just think looks really fun yeah. and looks like there's a lot of ways that you can go. So shout out to DraftKings for finally giving us a really good <laughs> slate. This is going to be a fun week, man. Got Thanksgiving, got week 12. Let's ride. Let's make some fucking money this week. Absolutely. All right. That is going to be it for episode 268 of the DFS Dose podcast this week more than ever with so much injury news potentially coming to shake things up late in the week. Make sure you tune in to our Saturday night, late night live stream on YouTube, 10 p.m. Eastern every single week. You can follow us on Twitter at Dose Media Net, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Harvard. Joey's at Joey Carey and DFS. If you guys want to stay connected with us, keep up to date with what's going on within the network, you can join our inner circle via the free Discord chat. Link to do so is in the show notes to this podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.